Hi there, and welcome to episode six of the ADHD Adult UK podcast. I'm James Brown, co-founder of ADHD Adult UK, and as always, shamefully and very sadly, I'm joined by my fellow co-founder, Alex Connor. Alex? Top of the morning to you, James. Top of the morning to you, yeah. James. Yes. So, yes. So, again, um, we, we did chat about this briefly earlier. How, how far down the list of ridiculous welcomes are you now, would you say? About, about a third of the way down. About a third. Okay, brilliant. So we've got more to expect if we carry on doing this podcast of that. Anyway, welcome to today's podcast. Episode six is all about the world of work and employment and how as an adult with ADHD, you are hopefully entitled to getting some support. What are the problems we have uh, at work and how can that be um, assisted? As usual, our podcasts are a tragedy in three parts. We choose a theme and obviously today we're talking about employment and we're going to talk to you about how you should be supported at work with your ADHD. This is a legal right we'll talk about. The three parts include some evidence-based psychoeducation and information and in today's podcast a little bit about the law which is obviously thrilling. The second part are our personal reflections um, on what the theme i.e. ADHD work means to us and we've, we've both been through at times challenging um, periods of our employment being a, a scientist and academic amongst other scientists and academics when you've got ADHD he said very politically can be quite difficult and mine is mine was more challenging if I'm honest for my employer than it was for me <laughs> <laughs> that's not surprising Al to be honest and for your colleagues because I obviously used to work with you yeah. um, and the, fi- the final bit will give some top tips that hopefully um, will be able to help you when it comes to how you approach um, your job your employment and your ADHD so Alex what issues can happen at work What's the law and how can people ask for help? Okay, I mean, it's a really big question, but when diagnosing ADHD, especially in adults, well, obviously in adults, that it's really, really well known that employment is affected really strongly. It's obvious, if you think about the, the sort of the diagnosable issues with ADHD, the classic ones such as um, struggling with what you pay attention to and how long, well, you kind of have to at work, don't you? struggling with hyper uh, hyperactivity in an office environment that's difficult but dealing with the things that aren't diagnostic that we talk a lot about such as rejection sensitivity I mean how often have you had feedback in work and you've got to take that on board from someone with power over you the RSD is horrific emotional dysregulation for similar reasons if you make a small mistake at work and people sometimes never go back to the office we've all felt like that I think but in ADHD this can be really problematic and the manifestations of those behaviors are known to lead to more unemployment in us a higher risk of us being sacked this is really common good news though legally adhd is a protected disability under the 2010 equalities act we're going to say 2010 equalities act a lot (laughs) that means you have rights Employees do have a legal responsibility to make reasonable adjustments or reasonable adjustment plans, or sometimes you'll hear them called wraps. I like that. Can we do a wrap, James? Please don't, Alex. (laughs) You imagine. These uh, wraps are designed to support you at work, and it is open to interpretation by you and your employer. They're not going to buy you cocaine and prostitutes, however much you ask. (laughs) But they do have to make reasonable attempts. Surely that surely that's a reasonable adjustment to any workplace. <laughs> so 
James, you know more about this than me. How do people get these reasonable adjustments from work or start those conversations at work? Um, yeah, this is probably the first area we've got where I actually do know a little bit more than you. And it's not because I'm clever. It's just because I've been through the process. So there are a number of ways in which you can get support for your ADHD at work. The the thing you'll have to consider is that it does involve you disclosing the fact that you've got ADHD at the very least to your HR department. But it's likely that if you do this, your HR department will want to disclose it to your line manager. So it means that if you want to get kind of support at work that's going to help you cope, be more productive, have less of the issues we've talked about, about not being able to hit deadlines and feeling like you're failing, the first decision you've got to make is, am I happy disclosing the fact that I've got ADHD to my employer? Now, you are in control of this information. So if you go to HR, you can say, I only want my line manager to know about this. And then they will have to keep that confidential. It's medical information after all. <clears throat> but that is a barrier for some people. We speak to many people through the, the support group and through our social media accounts who, who talk about this, who say either I'm absolutely not ready yet to disclose this or I have disclosed this and not a lot's happened, or I didn't know I could. Brilliant, thank you very much. James, uh, if you, uh, did you worry about disclosing it? Because no, when no, I... When, no. Oh, go on, you go tell me. I, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the most open person. I overshare every part of my life, as you know, Alex. Um, and therefore, I really don't give a fuck who knows if I've got ADHD or not. If it's going to help me not be sad, if it's going to help <laughs> me not, not hate myself as much, if it's going to get me access to some of the tools we'll talk about later that make my life less shit then i'll i'll have it tattooed on my forehead frankly i had a i had a relative mean meaning like meaning well say to me when you talk about this online on the podcast and things don't worry about a future employer is gonna not employ you and it's you know it's a fair point i can see why they worry about that i always yeah. think i wouldn't want to be employed by them but then i have privilege so. yeah are you sure that just not talking about you putting yourself out there? Unrelated to the ADHD. Your life? Yeah, completely unrelated <laughs> to ADHD. We're not going to employ that to do anything, are we? Um, yeah, no, but again, that's a reasonable point. Is there is there is a lot of stigma around ADHD. That actually, if you, when non-ADHD adults are asked um, whether they would like to spend time with, and then different levels of um, disability or neurodiversity or neurodivergence rather are mentioned, there is evidence to suggest that adults see other adults with ADHD as being um, more difficult to socialise with. So that there's, there's stigma even at a social level, let alone an employment level. So it's completely understandable if you are not yet ready to disclose this to your employer. But if you find that you're struggling at work and you're worried that you may be at risk of losing your job, then it's a really good time if you've got a diagnosis and that's the, the other thing we need to say is obviously this podcast is for both those who are diagnosed and those who, who feel they had adhd but you're only protected by the law if you have that diagnosis unfortunately so um if you get to the point where even you've been reticent to, to disclose it but now you need to then then absolutely go to your hr department the key thing to do is to say i would like an occupational health assessment for my adhd because I am finding it difficult to fulfill the requirements of my job and I would like you to make reasonable adjustments so that I can continue to work successfully. Um, we'll, after this episode, we'll actually put a kind of a script, if you like, up on the website, which people can use as a template. And we do have guides for um, support at work on there. So that's the route through your employer. I know from personal experience that this can be complicated if your employer hasn't dealt with anybody with ADHD before. 
because they'll be they'll be scurrying around trying to work out well what's what's a reasonable adjustment what what do we have to do and what do we not have to do and because some of these things these adjustments will cost money then employers are obviously sometimes a little bit reticent to invest money in something when you know somebody else that hasn't got ADHD might be able to do the job just as well but they have a legal right to do this as long as it's a reasonable adjustment adjustment so as Alex said not cocaine and prostitutes but yes maybe software and a do not disturb sign so those are the types of things we'll go on to talk about later there is another route though and this is something that almost nobody knows about and it's one of the few things he says for a second being political that this government has got right and that is developing a, a, a program as part of the Department of Work and Pensions called Access to Work. And if you Google Access to Work, you'll find on the government's website an incredibly simple form to fill in, which just asks you to disclose what your disability is, and you type ADHD, how it impacts your work, and you type in however that is, so whether or not you're, you struggle to hit deadlines, you struggle to focus in meetings, etc., um, and your contact details of your HR department. They will then set up, and this is done through you and not your employer, although telling your employer you're doing this is a good idea. They'll then set up an assessment where you will be independently assessed by somebody with expertise in a neurodiversity for the kind of adjustments your employer should make. A report is produced, they send that to your employer, and importantly, and I know this sounds incredibly cynical, but it's true, the Department of Work and Pensions effectively pay for about 80% of the costs of any reasonable adjustments if you go through access to work and therefore your employer might be more likely to get these things done if they know they haven't got to pay all of the money for the things that you need to help you work and they've just got to pay the first thousand pounds and 20% of the rest. So there's two routes, occupational health assessment and access to work. And can you do them both at the same time? Yeah, I did. Um, largely because my occupational health assessment wasn't done right first time and I had to have a second one, which was a theoretically a neurodiversity specific occupational health assessment. Is that because they thought he, it, was, it was about your hair in the first instance? Yeah, yeah, no, it was. That, well, they, that shirt I, yeah, you're wearing. So the shirt, you know the shirt is a symptom of time blindness, Al, because I was trying on a new shirt three minutes before we started recording because I forgot we were recording, obviously. And it's it's a, it's a lovely shirt, as you can see, if you're watching on video. Um, can I, no, can I advise anybody listening not, not to watch, just so they don't yeah, have to see that shirt hair combination? That or your ping pong ball shaped face. Um, <laughs> Perfectly so yeah. So, yeah, because there were lots of issues with my occupational health assessments because nobody had dealt with this before. Nobody was really aware of of what should be done. And there was a little bit of um, uh, resistance to some of the reasonable adjustments which came into my occupational health um, uh, assessment, not from all at work. Um, but, you know, emails went cold, didn't get answered. And that's something that I've heard many times from people contacting me that they've actually done this. And they've been waiting for six months for their HR department to get back to them. And our advice is always just send them another email saying, just want to remind you that under the 2010 Equalities Act, ADHD is a protected disability and therefore you are required legally to make reasonable adjustments to help me in the workplace. Um, when access to work came in, the report came in and the money that comes attached with it, things moved quicker. Let's just leave it at that, he says, because I'm still employed by this employer. Um, and... And, and, and the process itself um, was very smooth and very helpful. The guy that assessed me was great. Now, just before we, we end part one, 
it's important to point out that access to work actually contracts out its assessments to two different organizations one of them is the royal british legion they assessed me and they were fantastic i don't actually know who the other organization is but a colleague of mine who had his access to work assessment done a week after mine was basically told yeah you don't need anything they provided you with everything whereas mine gave me a list of 20 things which I was to be provided with. So there is a little bit of variability depending on, potentially depending on who assesses you. But you can obviously, um, not so much challenge, you can discuss this after the report comes to you and say, actually, I feel I need this report with the people that assess you at access to work. So that brings us to the end of part one. So you're now hopefully aware of what your rights are as an employee and of at least two different routes for you to get through to your employer what reasonable adjustments they need to help you in the workplace. In part two, Alex and I are going to give you some personal reflections about how ADHD has affected us in our jobs. Right, hello everybody. Welcome to part two of our ADHD Adult UK podcast six on uh, work and your work relationships with with ADHD. This section is where we like to talk about our personal reflections on how this, whatever theme we're talking about, has affected us in 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 whatever way. So we're going to talk today about personal reflections on how ADHD affects our working lives and has affected our working life. Because I've never met anybody with ADHD for whom that isn't quite a big issue and a big problem, unless they're very very lucky and their their work life is entirely um, positive for a neurodivergent mind. For me. As, as a professional scientist for 25 years. Professional? <laughs> yeah, as an amateur scientist who happens to be paid for 25 years. The feeling that I'm not able to do what everyone else can do led me to some very dark places, even though externally I appeared to be reasonably successful, very successful. What, okay. what, can, you, can you give me an What do you mean by that? Can you give me an example of, of, of that? So everybody else seemed to be able to sit in their office and work. And sometimes I was asked to write for weeks on end in a little room on my own. And I couldn't figure out how they did that because I would last three minutes. As you well know, James, when we worked together at another institution that will remain, uh, remain <laughs> nameless for literal legal reasons, I didn't understand how they were successful and, and how they did it. I didn't at the time know. That I, that I had ADHD, but I knew I was different. Obviously, we all know we're different all the time. I had to learn very, very slowly how to put myself in a position of, of success, internal success, to drive external success. So what I mean by that is I had to play to my strengths and learning how to do that. And doing that led me out of that dark time. I couldn't agree to sitting in a room for hours on my own, writing a heavy document. What I would do is just say that, but offer an alternative with the solution. So I would say, I'll agree to work as part of a team to write that document together, or preferably, I'd agree a smaller, more meaningful document that, that was going somewhere that I could see the emotional reward of doing. It's things like that that you have to do. It took me years to figure that out, and then even longer to disclose to my work that I had ADHD, because I thought I would be seen negatively. Stigma's real. I'm lucky that it doesn't affect me professionally anymore because I'm senior enough that, that I can talk about these and people mm. seem to value that. So it's so important that you decide if you're ready to disclose and if that's something you want to do. It's important to make your own mind up. It, it is. Yeah, actually, there's a couple of points I want to raise just quickly. The, the first is um, it's 
obviously purely coincidental that this dark time in your life was when you were working with me or, the, or there or thereabouts. You were. Um, and and se- secondly, you, one of the phrases that we use a lot, and I say we, I've obviously stolen it from you, is this internal success and external success. Can you qu- really quickly just expand on, on what those terms mean? Yeah, um, some ADHD people really, really struggle. More, they're more likely to struggle in working in relationships, like as we all do. And and but some of us don't. Some of us are high achievers for whatever reason. The the jury's out on the evidence, but we're high achievers, and that can mask the fact that we are not doing well inside. Substance abuse, gambling, relationship breakdown, um, depression, anxiety—all the things we talk about all the time mean that despite certainly, Mike, and I know in yours as well, James, this external apparent success. Internally, we're very, very feeling unsuccessful. And through managing ADHD, following diagnosis and treatment and then management, by managing ADHD to be neurodiverse, to be a neurodivergence only, can we develop some kind of internal success in my experience as a coach and as a a project manager? That's how more external success comes, but not at the expense of your your yourself. I think I think that's really important because for years most of us try and focus on the external success on trying to keep yeah. a job, get a get a promotion, get a pay rise at the cost. You like everyone else. Yeah, and it's only when you get to that point where you accept that you you're really kind of struggling that you realise that it's that's that, that's not worth your mental health. It's not worth your happiness. Thank you for sharing that, Alex. I appreciate it. I'm going to share some of my personal reflections just quickly. Um, obviously, ADHD affects almost everything I do at work and for years I just thought I was unreliable you know I'd always cancel meetings or be late for stuff I also thought that I was never just never not a details person I'm a, I'm more of a big picture ideas person so if you asked me to check a document good god it would not get checked properly because I just I'd read a sentence and then not want to check the rest and then actually didn't check the rest and there are lots of things you have to do as an academic which require either focus or are incredibly repetitive. So marking exam papers, when you've got 200 exam answers, which are all practically identical, having to sit down and and mark them is is physically painful. Um, One of the things uh, I'm going to admit now, um, luckily it won't get me in trouble because the chair of this committee was aware. I was at a very important meeting at my university and it went on for about three hours. And obviously after an hour, I'd turn my camera off and my mic off. And I was on my phone doing other stuff because there's no way I could focus anymore. And I've just heard the words, right, we're going to have to vote on this. And just thought, what? what? (laughs) Okay, what? And very quickly, I thought, it's okay, because we'll probably do the camera and hands thing. And I'll just look at hands and work out which hands are voting for the most and go with that. And and immediately the chair said, and we're not going to do the camera and hands thing because that will influence people. Can you all privately message me? with your decision on this and I thought well there's this there's kind of two things I can do really one is just make it up and guess and two is be honest so I was honest and I emailed I messaged saying listen I wasn't listening to be honest sorry um best to just go with the um with the majority so I got away with that but I've got away with things for years which have left me feeling guilt shame stress self-loathing because other people can do it other people can remember regulations other people can get stuff in on time other people can um, write documents without loads of typographical errors which are very simple because I type really fast and just cannot physically cannot go back and spell check because it hurts my brain to do that so how the hell I've even got to where I am in academia I have honestly no idea other than 
hair and shirts, mate. Hair and shirts. Just hair and shirts. It is. It is. Um, so those are, those are our personal reflections. It's quite specific, obviously, to academia. We, we've had other jobs. Alex, obviously, is a Cole Pilkinson lookalike and um, makes a reasonable living out of that. Um, I don't know who that so, is. <laughs> no cultural reference points at all. So before we move on to the final uh, section of the podcast, we're going to play the Yes, Alex, I remembered it this time. We're going to play the third instalment of What Has James Forgotten or Lost This Week? And as How usual, are you remembering this awfulness? Usually your memory is not know. a well, good one. I've had one piece of feedback that somebody liked this, so that's enough for me to carry on doing it. So there, there are three things, as usual, I'm going to suggest to Alex that I've either forgotten about, you know, misplaced or lost this week because my working memory is terrible and he's got to guess which one. So option one is that I lost my wallet even though I had it fitted with a new tracking device. That's option one. Option two is I forgot to put petrol in the car, even though as soon as I got in the car, I saw that it had no petrol in it and ran out of petrol. And option three is that I lost, and this is spectacle related, which has happened before, that I lost two pairs of my wife's spectacles this time. So one, two or three. That is a really hard one. I think you might have lost two pairs of your wife's something, but it wasn't spectacles. I think I would have known if you'd have broken down from petrol because you'd probably have told me. I'm going to go with wallet despite uh, tracking device. That's my um, guess. You've, you've scored zero points. I, actually oh. forgot to, I forgot to put petrol in the car. This was actually yesterday when we were going to have a meeting, I think, or do something. And I had to take a COVID test somewhere and got in the car, thought, oh, I need to put petrol in, but I know the COVID test centre is just X miles away, and it wasn't. It was a lot more than that. And I forgot I had a meeting, so I was on a meeting on my phone while driving and quickly realised if I don't find a garage soon, I'm going to break down, and I did break down. Luckily, close to a garage, it wasn't too much. So that means out of three rounds, Alex, you've scored one so far. So one out of three isn't bad if you're Alex Connor. Very, uh, very annoyed by that. I've put diesel in a petrol car three times because I got distracted and had to call yeah, out there. I, I, I'm pretty sure that's just another ADHD tax, isn't it? I'm sure many, many of us have done that before. <laughs> so thank you for listening to part two. We'll be back in part three where we'll give you our top tips. Welcome back to part three, the final part of the ADHD Adult UK podcast. And, and this episode, we're talking about the kind of support you're entitled to, legally entitled to at work. So my top tips really are about the things which make up reasonable adjustments. What can you expect your employer to provide you with? And here's a few examples. So first of all, noise cancelling headphones, particularly if you work in an open office, can help you get rid of all that distraction and focus on your work. If you work in your own office, and this is really valuable, it sounds silly, but a do not disturb sign. Because many people think, oh, I'll just pop, I know him, I'll just pop in and say hello. But if you lose the, the focus you've got on what you're doing, it's sometimes it's really difficult to pick that up. So a big sign that says politely, fuck off, um, will help you focus on the work that you're that you're doing. There's lots of software packages that can help you. So MindView is mind mapping software and it allows you to basically put all your thoughts down in an organized package so you can then manage your workload from there. Um, equally, there's lots of software around um, 
using uh, turning text into speech. So if you've got a long document and you just can't read it, you can have it read out to you and, and the opposite. So transcription software. So if there's a long meeting which you didn't attend, you can get a transcript of it made automatically for you so you can read it. So whichever works, whichever works better for you. Um, and there's lots of software around to-do lists and organization like Todoist or Evernote, um, which can be provided relatively cheaply. And those things collectively can help make up the deficits that you might have and just make you feel a, a bit less shit about work. And it's so far it's it's worked pretty well for me. I'm still waiting for a lot of these things to be put in place, but you know, I do feel a lot more confident that I'm not gonna just fail everything. What about you, Alex? What are your top tips? I've only got one. It's not an easy one, James. And it's a realization that I want people to have. And it's it's the realization that your your employer has values. Not just goals and targets and strategies, but it has values that aren't necessarily the same as those goals and targets. It might be that they really want to make money or they really want to have a good image or they really want you to be their ambassador. It could be something else. And what I've realized, the top tip is to help people. Maybe get a coach. You can usually do that through work. Learning how to align your own real abilities, your strengths and the things that you enjoy doing, the preferences, and therefore self-author goals for yourself to match the values of the employer, not necessarily what exactly what they tell you to do, but their overall values. And then after that, you can show how you've been a success, if that's possible to you. Not always possible, obviously. If you're working you know, Burger King or McDonald's, you just have to make loads of burgers. You've got to figure out where you can and where you can't do this. It's very hard, but understanding that, aligning your, writing your own goals with the employer's values and your strengths, that is the secret to, to success for me at work for ADHD people probably for everyone yeah I mean you've not been successful but still at the end of the day <laughs> throwing tips out there for people so they might be <laughs> who do work. you just... think you are you a <laughs> failure I mean I wake up with that thought every morning yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to, I just wanted to pick up quickly on one thing you said because I didn't mention it and that is actually that, that coaching is part of a reasonable adjustment so you can request mm -hmm. through access to work to be provided with an ADHD specific coach and you can request for institutional training for your employer, so your line manager and others, to be trained in the impact of ADHD on work. So those are our top tips. Thank you very much for listening. We're going to finish off with a product recommendation of the week. As usual, um, we don't uh, get given or lent these products. We have to pay for them. Um, they, they uh, If anyone wants to give us any products, obviously. Yeah, we'll, 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 we've uh, got no morals, have we? None, literally none. Um, so the product of the week this week is dictation software. And this is something that I've used in coaching one of my coaches. So if, like me, you really struggle with focusing on writing a document, but it's easier to just use the dictate option on a Mac, which is fantastic, by the way. If you double click the control button, it opens up a dictation box and then you can just speak into the machine. But there are also pieces of software like Dragon Naturally Speaking, and there's a version for, for the Mac as well, which is very good. Um, and sometimes that's just easier than writing. It's quicker. Obviously, you'll have to go back and change the odd word. But for me, it massively changes the speed at which I mark work because I can just say, that's really good. Well done. You've, you've got that point across. Or you need more detail here. I suggest you do X, Y, or Z rather than having to type it, misspell it, go back and spell check it and do it all again. So there are lots of different dictation softwares. Or if you've got a Mac, there's a really good inbuilt dictation service and that's my product recommendation of the week james if you're if english is your second language or if you've got um 
heavy accent or if you're from Kidderminster? Is it, uh, is it a problem uh, to train this software or what? Well, obviously, with my my thick Kidderminster accent, it does just about work. I'm not sure it'll Sorry, work. Sorry, I didn't get any of that. What the hell? Right, yeah, oh, good one. Good Hilarious. I walked into that open yeah, goal. I was about to say, it obviously, wouldn't pick up your South. Is it South Staffs or is it Mordor? I'm not sure what Utopster is. Yeah. <laughs> Long time I'm not, I'm not sure I'd pick up where you're from, but anyway, it, it generally does tend to work quite well, at least with my accent. So um, it may vary um, with others, but it's certainly worth giving it a try, particularly the free kind of version you get if you have got a Mac. So thank you, everybody, for listening. That was episode six of the ADHD Adult UK podcast, where we talked about the kind of support that's available for you at work. As usual, if you've got any questions, you can get in touch with us on the socials at, at ADHD Adult UK or using our website. Thank you for listening. Bye, all. <laughs>